Welcome to the RNA School Library Journal production. I'm Colby Sharp, and I'm here today with my friend and co-host, Travis Yonker, and we are excited for our annual preview of the upcoming year. So this is the 2024 preview. Hopefully we are getting ready for an amazing year in all things children's literature. I am recording from my classroom. Travis had a snow day. Travis, what is... What makes a great snow day? Oh, man. What makes a great snow day? Like, I guess it's um, just like hanging out at home with the family, maybe getting outside in the snow a little bit, maybe even as a grown-up busting out the sled, going down the hill a couple times. Let's go. That's what makes it the best, I think. I hope you had a good snow day. Travis and I are both educator families, so our spouses are both teachers and all of our kids are in school and we are my my family's all in the same district. Travis is in is it two or three different districts? Technically, it's three. Um, okay, but two of the districts, for, when it comes to snow days, they're always on the same schedule. But my, okay. the, where I work is a little bit further away, so sometimes it'll be like I have a snow day and my family doesn't, or vice versa. Oh, all right. And now, do you all like talk trash if some do and some don't? Or are you like, oh, no, I'm sorry? No, no, no talking trash. No rubbing in a snow no day in, on somebody else. You cannot do that. I feel like there's probably no trash talk in your family. Is that a fair assessment <laughs> of the Yonker household? Just like all like nice West Michigan, <laughs> joyous baseball card collectors. Like, um, you know what? There's there's trash talk occasionally. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we won't get into that anymore, but I, I'm glad you had a good snow day. Uh, we're going to start with reading resolutions. Travis, I have three reading goals for this year. I'm going to run them through real quick. Number one, own? I want to get back into reading more historical fiction. I love middle grade historical fiction. It is what brought me back to children's literature early in my teaching career. Books like one Crazy Summer from Rita Williams Garcia, Our Only May Amelia, Our Only May Amelia from Jennifer Holm, Hattie Big Sky, Kirby Larson. I love middle grade historical fiction. So that's one goal. Another goal is to read more nonfiction. Travis, I felt like I was really getting into some nonfiction for kids from Steve Scheinkin's Impossible Escape. I think it was Jonathan Day, Mona Lisa Vanishes. There's just some awesome books. And I often say that I don't love middle grade nonfiction, but I'm finding that I'm loving some of the books. So maybe either my preferences are growing or the books are changing, but I want to read more of that. And then number three, started this earlier this week with my kindergarten and third grade son. I want to read books one through eight in Amulet because we are just inching closer to book nine. And Travis, this is interesting to me because like those 11-year-olds who read Amulet one when it came out, they're like 25, right? yeah. So that's one way to experience the series. This, this is, I guess, reminiscent to the kids who grew up with Harry Potter that were the same age as Harry. So that's reading it one way. It's interesting. But my sons are going to read it all in like a two-month period, which is a very different way to experience. They won't, they won't feel that pain of waiting two years for the next amulet, which we've experienced students just, when does the next amulet come out? When does the next amulet come out? When does the next amulet come out? So how about you, Travis? What are your reading resolutions? What are your goals? What are you hoping to do as a reader in 2024? So I just have one really big one that I want to try to stick to this year. It's like making resolutions is very fun. Following through 
on resolutions is very difficult. And so I wanted to make something where I could definitely see myself doing it. I wanted to make it easy. So the set big the bar thing, low. Set, set the, bar the bar low. It's easy to get over. <laughs> once once you get over that bar, though, then it's like easier to get over it again and again. You know what I'm saying? There you go. Then, may, then maybe like you can that. raise it a little bit after you're over. Maybe. You jump over it maybe ten times. Um, yeah. So I'm I want to keep better track of what I'm reading. When I started my blog, way back in I think they're now calling it. Wait, what? The, the now they're calling it peak internet. I think that, okay. that like like late aughts period of time when like everything was new and everything was possible and everybody felt good online. Back in peak internet when I started my blog, it was really to keep track of what I was reading, to remember what happened in the books I was reading, whether mm-hmm. I liked them or not. And as time has has passed, I review less and less books on the blog. It just is the way it is. There's a bunch of reasons for that, but it's true. And that kind of also has trickled over to like my Goodreads. Like I hardly mm-hmm. ever touch my Goodreads. I go on there to um, create my one-star review guess who blog posts, but I really mm-hmm. don't keep track of what I'm reading over there. And so then it comes to the end of the year and I'm thinking, you know, oh, what were my favorite books of the year? What things did I really love this year? And I don't have that information like right in front okay. of me every anymore. So I just really want to keep track during the year, even if I'm not like giving everything like a star review on Goodreads or whatever, even if I'm just marking yeah. it as red, I call that pulling a Deborah Friedman, the picture book <laughs> creator, Deborah Friedman. She is, uh, she's really active on Goodreads and she always will mark books as red, but she doesn't mark them as like a star, okay. a starred review. And I just think that's a really good way to do okay. it. And then at the end of the year, you can look back and think, oh yeah, these were the books I read. Good Which job. ones did I love? Yeah. Um, so is there in like 2024, it. Colby, is there like a, a particular book that you're looking forward to reading the most? Yes, uh, Amulet 9. Um, I think of how many kids that I've taught over the years are, wish that they could have read Amulet 9. And now they're like, there's this kid that I taught and he read all the amulets and he's 21 years old. And he's actually just won a national championship for the Michigan football team. He's a walk-on, and, and he's on the team, which is really cool. Um, and he, he's celebrating a national title. And I wonder, like, should I send him a link? Should I be like, hey, Joel, remember <laughs> Amulet? The final book is out. So I don't know if I will do that, but I am looking forward to reading Amulet 9. How about you? When you talk about Amulet, you, you, that's a good comparison to Harry Potter, how like kids mm-hmm. kind of grow older as the books come yeah. out. And from the first book to the last book, they're quite a bit older. It also reminds me of like Stranger Things, like my daughter and I are watching mm-hmm. Stranger Things. And like the next season she was just telling me doesn't come out for like two years. And I'm like, man, uh, people who loved this series, it was almost like 10 years ago mm-hmm. now probably that it started and like everyone's yeah. going to be grown ups. Um, so the book Millie, Millie Bobby Brown's going to have like children. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It could get weird. I I think about like Beverly Hills 90210 when I was a kid and like, Uh then they had like, they went off to college and then they're like graduated. They have jobs and stuff. It just, I, it's tough to maintain the quality. So I'm curious to see how it goes for this last season. Um, Okay, Plain Jane and the Mermaid by Vera Brosgall is the book that I'm most looking forward to reading in 2024. Okay. Um, Vera Brosgall is just an incredible comics creator. Um, she's made uh, Anya's Ghost, 
She made uh, one of my favorite graphic novels of all time, Be Prepared. Her sort of yeah. like uh, memoir, uh, graphic novel memoir about her like camp experience. And man, mm-hmm. that book is fantastic. I keep thinking like if there were, were readers this year who really loved Dan Santat's A First Time for Everything, they would okay. like Be Prepared. It's like the two books are not the same in any way, but there's this like coming of age element to both of them that I feel like yeah. a fan you know, of one would like the other. What I, I find interesting in, and I've heard authors talk about this, Getting, you have to, like, a lot of times in children's literature, you have to, like, get rid of the parents, right? Like, because parents would, like, make nothing, like, so many things not possible. (laughs) So in Dan's First Time for Everything, they go on a school trip. And there's so many camp stories. Like, you were talking about Be Prepared. There's so many books with camp because there's, you can get rid of the parents or boarding school, right? Like, do we really need a million books on boarding school? Well, maybe not, but we need a way to tell stories without parents. So is this new book... um, Jane and the Mermaid, is that another graphic novel? It's another graphic novel, and the way it's awesome. being described as is sort of like a f- twist on various fairy tales. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't read it yet, so I don't know what it's like or, or what okay. exactly happens in the story, but I just know um, that when she has a book coming out, I I'm, I'm, can't wait to, to read it. She also has great picture books as well. You know, she won a Caldecott honor a few years ago, so she kind of like just is skilled in a lot of different areas. I can't wait to read that book. Is there a, yeah. is there a book in 2024, Colby, that you have already read and loved? Yeah, a couple. One, I just finished it at uh, last week, Across So Many Seas by Ruth Bahar. And this is part of me like getting back into the historical fiction. We had Ruth on the show um, back when she was a debut author. And this is, I think, her third or fourth book now. But Across So Many Seas is really interesting. It follows a Jewish family for like 600 years, five or 600 years, starting in 14. So it's four stories. Each story is about 50 pages. And it starts with the family uh, during the, like, the Spanish Inquisition finding out that they are going to have to, they can either leave, convert to Catholicism, or be hanged. Right. So this family decides to leave. And then it's like the journey of them going to Turkey. And then in the next story, uh, it's like 1923. So this family has been there for a long time. And then it follows generation, the the next two generations after that, ending in like 2020 um, in Miami. Fascinating book. It was just awesome. So I loved that one. Um, And then our really good pal, John Shu. His book, Louder Than Hunger, which we have both read and loved, um, it is, would you say it's the most hyped <laughs> book? Like it has the most blurbs from authors and educators and influencers, would you say of all time? I think it does. When I received my advanced reader copy, um, I was, it has like a false cover so mm-hmm. that it can fit all the blurbs in. And I, after I read that, I was like, I texted John. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is the most blurbed book of all time. And it's just like yes. all these great um, authors and illustrators. And then John's like, yeah, I can't believe that they put blurbs on the front and the back. And I said, I haven't even looked at the back. There's blurbs on the back, too. <laughs> I flip it over, and there's like 20 more blurbs from amazing uh, authors and illustrators. John has created just like so much goodwill in the world of yeah. children's literature. And this book is so good that I think everybody 
just you know they read it they want to blur they want to talk about it they want to share it with others yeah. and um yeah. it is an incredible book first prediction of the year from the yarn podcast john shu louder than hunger a new york's time a new york times best-selling book it's just predicting it with all those blurbs all that praise all those people who have just fallen in love with john's work as a picture book author as an ambassador for classroom library school libraries and just reading in general so it's it's that's my prediction new york times bestseller knocking on wood for that one knocking on wood knocking on particle board you heard it you heard it here first we can play this clip we'll play this clip (laughs) what about you travis what have you read and loved so the big one that sticks out for me is Ferris by Kate DiCamillo. Mm. Um, this is her yes. next middle grade fiction novel, and it's just a fantastic story full of like what you would expect with Kate DiCamillo, just like these unforgettable characters, the dialogue that is just hilarious, um, but yeah. also it can turn on a dime into something that's just so beautiful and so touching. Yeah. Uh, she is just the master of that. Um, I was trying to do this comparison, like where, because when Kate DiCamillo has like a middle grade novel come out, it sort of is like mm-hmm. a special thing. Like she's, she's written so many books now, you know, in so many different formats. But when, when a middle grade novel comes out from her, it feels like it's, it's like this special thing. And it, the only thing I can compare it to is like the Wu-Tang Clan. Like, so, <laughs> so Wu-Tang, they come out with, a, with an album right and then in between their albums they kind of have like these these different smaller projects these solo projects okay and each of them is actually great each of them is actually great and then every couple every so often they come back together and they release another album that's this feels like you know the a middle grade release from kd camille feels like an album yeah you know and it feels like okay. something something that stands out I would give anything to see Kate Camillo at an author event wearing a Wu-Tang shirt. That would be <laughs> just amazing. Um, what's really fun is both John's book and Kate's book both come out March 5th, which is really f- a kind of a really fun tidbit. We it's have awesome. those two giant books coming out on the same day, which is very exciting. So I, the next category loved, is... I, I just loved seeing your face when I was trying to make that comparison. You were like, don't yeah. do it. Don't do it, Travis. Well, you have it was so friends. We have a Google Doc that we're kind of working our way through, and it says Travis said same because he had the same louder than hunger as me. Ferris by Kate D. Camillo, and in in like parentheses it says Wu Tang question mark. So I thought there's like a new Wu Tang book coming out <laughs> that Travis has somehow read, and so we don't have that. Our next category is big authors with books in 2024. So when I when I enter this document. Travis has like 12 books. So I write, you're comprehensive. Your list is comprehensive enough to just talk about those books. And when I opened the document today at lunch, Travis home on a snow day, me at school, he's adding more books. There are more titles in this section, Travis, than probably we talked about on the yarn in all of 2023. So I will just turn it over to you. Travis, big authors with books in 2024. Go. So, you know, when like you're texting with somebody and they send you a text 
and it's like this gigantic block of text and you have to like scroll it's so long and your reaction is just like oh my god are you kidding me this like why do you have to send a text that's this long i feel like that this is the equivalent of that i it's just when i look at, at this google doc it's just a wall of text with different books coming out by authors in 2024. So this would be, yeah, this would be a great time for everyone to get out a piece of paper and a writing utensil. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, maybe, maybe turn down the speed to 0.5. Yep. And just take it all in. Yep. Yep. Um, so we've already talked about Ferris by Kate DiCamillo. Um, Holly Black, <laughs> Holly Black has a new book. Uh, and this, the title is a mouthful. It sounds great though. How the King of Elfheim learned to hate stories by Holly Black, mm. who is a um, Newbery Honor winner for Dollbones. Yes, um, Catherine Applegate is back, the one and only family, and I'm guessing that this is completing the one and only series yep. for her. Um, mm-hmm. Marguerite Engel has a book called Wild Dreamers coming. Um, Aaron Entrada Kelly, the first state of being. Andrea Wang has a new. Um, Middle grade book, Summer mm-hmm. at Squee. For picture book fans, we've got um, Big Bear and Little Bear Go Fishing by Amy Hest and Aaron Stead. We've got uh, Lauren Castillo with the sequel to what might Let's just be go. the perfect picture book, um, Nana in the City, Nana in the Country, comes out this year. Um, also, Linda Sue Park and Chris Rashka, pretty impressive pairing. They have a book coming out called My Book and Me. Uh, Kate DiCamillo has another series beginning. It's called Oris and Timble, and that is illustrated by Carmen Mock, and that's more of like a, um, an early reader type mm-hmm. situation. I think it's kind of like in the Bink and Golly sort of realm. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, Kimberly Brubaker Bradley, author of The War That Saved My Life, she has a new book, The Night War. Um, Gene Yang and Lewin Pham have a new book together, and I think it's a little more YA-ish, right? Lunar New Year, Love Story. Um, mm-hmm. Back to picture books, Sophie Blackall has a book coming out called Ahoy, which looks funny. Oh, this one's exciting to me, too. Um, it's an anthology. It's called A Little Bit Super, With Small Powers Come Big Problems, and it's all about um, like well-known authors creating stories with characters that have sort of like minor superpowers, like not like the ability to fly or turn invisible. And there's some really great names on there. Gary D. Schmidt, Leah Henderson, Pablo Cartaya, Nikki Grimes, Jarrett J. Krasowska, Kyle Lukoff, Meg Medina, Linda Sue Park. So there's just a lot of great people contributing to that book too. But there was one book when I wrote this list um, that really jumped out to you that you were, were wanting to mention. So what was that book? Yes, yeah, so Orbiting Jupiter by Gary D. Smith is just one of one of just the most remarkable books. And it's actually, Travis, like 188 pages. Like it is your perfect ma- masterpiece. Um, and when we got a chance to talk to Gary for the yarn, it was the first time we were like, wow, this has to be two episodes. Um, Go back and listen to that episode. The, like yeah. when people... When people ask what episode should I start with, with the yarn, like if people are just learning about the podcast or whatever, that's one that I always point to because Gary yeah. talks about that book and like the circumstances that inspired the mm-hmm. book and what led up to that book in his yeah. own life. He, it's just like the most yeah. powerful episode. It's really great. Yeah, because he was doing a, 
prison ministry and were working with writers in prison. Yeah. Um, it was also the same time his wife was passed away. He saw a newspaper yeah. clipping about a boy who became a father. Anyways, yeah, it's a great – Gary's a, a, a fellow Michigander and I actually did not know about this book, Travis, until you put it in the list. But Jupiter Rising by Gary D. Smith is a companion book to Orbiting Jupiter. And if you remember the boy from um, Orbiting Jupiter, he is the narrator of this one, I believe. And Jupiter is now living with their family, which I I don't want to ruin, I don't want to say anything more because if you haven't read Orbiting Jupiter, it is one of those, like sometimes when a movie has been out for a certain amount of time, like you feel like you're allowed to ruin it. But I feel like Orbiting Jupiter is one that I don't want to say anything more about it than that. But if you've read Orbiting Jupiter, the fact that Jupiter will be a character in this book is is probably pretty, is is mind-blowing to me. So uh, I'm really excited to read that. I think it comes out in late August. And uh, it's like 208 pages, though, Travis. It's a little long. Um, I hope you, you can forgive Gary. Maybe the font is a little bigger. I'm not sure. Maybe For those of you who like don't a... know, Travis believes, yeah. Go ahead. Travis believes like the perfect picture book is like, a, I don't know, is it 188, 196? I think it's 192. For perfect middle grade book, 182? Yeah. 192. 192, yeah. 192. So it's, um, Gary, Gary is, is amazing. And he's, uh, his, last, his book from last year, the, Labors of Hercules Beale is, is one that people are still talking about and possibly has a, a Newberry shot coming up. So any other ones that you wanted to highlight, Travis, from your mini story <laughs> of list of books here? I mean, okay. there's just, so, there's Travis, just so predi- many that I'm excited about. There's so many. <laughs> uh, we have some predictions of what might happen in 2024. What do you think could happen, Travis? Okay, so the thing that jumped into my mind was Spotify kills Audible, hopefully. Wow, so, hopefully. So I don't know if I've really shared my dislike of Audible with you before. No, let's. Floor is okay. yours. Okay, I do not like Audible. I haven't liked. <laughs> okay, maybe things have changed recently. I haven't gone on there in like the last little while to like check it out. But for the longest time, I was just kind of like, whenever I would scope it out, I was like people are paying for this what is this like you get your like three credits every month to like buy an audiobook but but audiobooks cost two credits so you get you were able to buy like an audiobook and a half or something or you have to wait till the next month till amazon like doles you out your next credits like it's an allowance or something <laughs> i just thought it was ridiculous for a long time i've used um the the um app called scribd for audiobooks, which is great. They have tons of kids' stuff on there. Of course, the public library, um, I get audiobooks from there all the time, and ebooks, and they have a great app for that. Libby, the Libby app is wonderful for public mm-hmm. libraries. Um, but for things that they didn't have on there, Scribd was always really good. And Scribd changed this year, like rebranded. Now it's called Everand. Okay. Um, but they have uh-huh. lots of lots of great um, kids' stuff on there. So I recommend that. But I just saw that. Um, Spotify is getting more into um, audio books and it's more like streaming like it when they first came on to Spotify it was you can buy the audio book for like 30 bucks um, mm-hmm. and now it's more of like a streaming situation like your membership okay. pays pays for the audiobooks to stream so 
I'm curious to see if that really has an impact on Audible. I know Audible has like a huge share of the audio book market or whatever, but I've never been a fan, so I'm okay with that changing. Yeah, I guess my only prediction is more of a curiosity is what happens. And you mentioned in our year in review episode that you felt like people were starting to kind of push back against the book banning, which is great to see. Uh, With it being an election year, I'm really curious to see how people use books um, to try to get themselves elected one way or the other. So I'm curious to see the politicizing of children's books and to see what happens there. I don't really have any predictions. I'm just anxious about it more than anything. That's a really good point. You just saying election year, just like... Mm -hmm. It hurts thinking about that because I do yeah, feel like a lot so. of a lot of politicians will bring that up as like some sort of a huge issue that you either have mm-hmm. to be on one side of or the other. It's just ridiculous. Um, yeah. Man, man, oh man. Yeah, I hope that that's not the case. So in more, a more fun topic, <laughs> a new category that I added, Travis. Yeah. If you could interview a creator that is no longer living for the yarn podcast anyone and i'm adding a, a an extra layer to it i also want to know like when would you interview them like would you interview them at the beginning oh. of their career oh. would you interview them at the end of like before they passed away would you interview them like now but you could go back to like when you're they were alive like a time warp trio type thing like who would you interview <laughs> and when would you have done that interview this is a tough question. You know I don't like to pick one of anything when it comes to this. Um, this is why I could never get a tattoo because I can't pick one thing that would like be on me forever. Just get a sleeve. <laughs> Just get a sleeve. <laughs> so um, the one that jumped, like a million people ran through my head. There are some where I thought, oh, that, that person is a legend. That would be so much fun to interview them. But maybe the conversation for a podcast, like wouldn't be as fun. Or maybe it's like, oh, this person's really great, but I'd be intimidated by them. I wouldn't want to talk to them or I'd be scared or whatever. Um, and one that popped into my head that just sounded like fun was Tommy DePaula, uh, mm-hmm. Streganona author, artist, uh, and creator of many, many um, children's books over the years. Um, I just remember seeing him at a um, children's literature legacy banquet, okay. um, you know, on the Newberry Caldecott night and he was getting the legacy award and it was so much fun to hear him talk. He was so full of energy and life and it just seemed like he would be such a great person to have on a podcast and talk to in a, in a situation like this. So that's who I'm going with right now. But if you asked me tomorrow, I might come up with, you know, a totally different person. That's fair. I would. I think it would be really fun to interview one of like the giants, like a Beverly Cleary or a Judy Bloom, but before they were household names. Like we've interviewed so many creators, and one of my favorite things to do is to interview creators who have just written their debut books, mm. especially when we can get to them like early in the process. 
before they've done a million interviews. Like I love interviewing new authors who haven't done an interview. And if it's an author that's established, I really want to be the first one to talk to them about the book before they have everything like figured out and flushed out um, from doing a million interviews. So I would love to talk to like Beverly Cleary before and Newberry Honor or like when the first Ramona book comes out or Judy Bloom at the beginning. Like they just got published. They have no idea what's ahead of them. I would love to know what was, because I'm sure that there's lots of Judy Bloom interviews, right? There's lots of that. And she's still alive. I mean, she's still alive. So that's obviously a terrible person to, uh, the, the answer on, on our document says it's from Beverly Cleary. I added Judy Bloom because it's, I know she's alive, but because I would like to just hear them talk. <laughs> People are going to be like, Judy Bloom died. No. Um, <laughs> I just want to know what it, what they would say to like the same questions we ask everyone when they were starting. That would be so interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point about really enjoying getting people who are early on in their career. Like I think yeah. about interviewing um we interviewed Angie Thomas um and it was after The Hate You Give came out, but it was before it won any awards, it was before any of the mm-hmm. other books that she had published. And man, that was a blast talking to her. And just like the book was just starting to become super popular. And um, just to kind of see where she was at in that moment in her life, in her career was awesome. I didn't answer the part about, I didn't answer the part about who, um, what time period to interview the person. So for Tommy DePaula, I would want to do it um, at the end of his career when he could kind of like look back on all, on everything. I think that would be really cool. Um, and I, 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 know, I noticed that you didn't do that, but I thought you just didn't want to, so I didn't want to call you out. Because I know that there's not a lot of trash talk in the Yonker, in, in, in the Yonker family. And what you were saying about, like, you know, we've interviewed people, Angie Thomas before, Hey You Give, got really popular. Even for one of the coolest things I think that we've done was when we sent um, debut author Alicia D. Williams a recorder. Yeah. And she recorded... For months, over a year, she recorded for us before the book was even published. And then it went on to win a Newbery Honor. Yep. So that's another thing. If, you, if you're looking for old yarn tape to listen to, we had a chance to talk to a creator as their dream was coming true of becoming a published author all the way through them being honored by the Newbery Committee. It was really cool. Really yeah. Cool. So, Travis, if you could have anyone, if you could have... A bunch of different people on the yarn, since you don't like to do it, that you have a hat in 2024, who would you want to interview? Okay, well, you know, it's it's a goal of, a, of the yarn to have an NBA player who's also written a children's mm-hmm. book. You know, um, in the past, we've really wanted Shaq to be on. And I just realized that in this past year, there is an NBA player that we both like that has published a book. And has another one coming out in 2024. Might need some publicity for that book. You never know. Uh, They're not winning as much anymore, (laughs) so they're not. (laughs) Uh, And that that player is Steph Curry. Mm. Um, So that that would be uh, one person who I'd like to have on. You know who we've never had on the show is John Shu. Not for the lack of trying. (laughs) So John Shu is, is also on my list. Our Gregory Christie. John, this is an open invitation. Yeah. <laughs> Our Gregory Christie. Brian Collier. We've had him as a group, but mm-hmm. I would love to have him solo. Yeah. Last year on this list, I wrote John Agee. And Check. he's one 
he's one that we can check off the list. He's one that I've wanted yeah. to have on forever, and we were able to talk to him this past year, so that was great. Um, who is your uh, person that you would love to have on the show in 2024? Yeah, so I will say, Travis, that we might have someone really, really famous coming on soon. So, and I might be interviewing them within the next two weeks. We won't drop the name, but I would say Abby Wambach is our most famous person we've had. And this person is probably more famous. I don't even know Just who gonna this leave is. It. I know you don't, um, but I would, <laughs> this is a, we probably, yeah, so this is a, this is some, it's not for sure, but it would be, they've written a lot of books for children and I would be interviewing this author, famous author for things other than just writing books, but sold a lot of books and they're actually really good and they're longtime illustrator. So we'll just okay. leave that out there for you. Hmm. And the person that I always want to have, this is every time we've done this, I've said the same person, Jacqueline Woodson. So I've never even asked to have her on the show. So I know that that one will happen. I kind of want to do that one in person, like at a conference or something. I think that would be more fun either in one of those conference rooms or in front of a live audience. So we'll have Jacqueline Woodson on the show, I'm sure, at some point when the time is right. And so the last question, another additional question that I added, Travis, if you could have any two people back on the yarn that we've already had, Travis has two on the list is why I said two. Who would you pick? Um, I really loved the episode when we had Laura Amy Schlitz and Brian Selznick on together talking about their mm-hmm. Newberry Caldecott year. You were the person who interviewed Laura Amy Schlitz and just everything that she was saying in that interview was just like so fun to listen to. So fun. She's so funny. She's so yeah. like vibrant. Um, so I think that would be great to have her come back on and yeah, also a re- returning, maybe is it, would it be for the third time, Derek Barnes? I think oh. I would love to have Derek Barnes come back on. He, uh, yeah. he's just one of our favorite people, friend of the show. And we would, friend of the show. He, he can come on anytime he wants. We love talking to Derek Barnes. Yeah. Um, Laura is one of Laura and Derek both. There's like two of the most fun people to talk to. Yeah. Like they're just awesome humans. Yeah. So I think that's part of it. Not just do they give us great content, but they're just amazing people. Yeah. I'll say Gary D. Smith. Uh, we talked a little bit earlier about his interview for um, Orbiting Jupiter, that two part we did. And I've had other conversations with Gary, just hanging out at various events. And he's just a remarkable human and cares tremendously about kids and writers and teachers um, a college professor for decades himself. So I would love to get him back on, possibly for um, the new book. And then um, we started this show a long time, feels like a long time ago, with doing a like seven or eight part season on the book Sunny Side Up with Jennifer L. Holm and Matt Holm. I think it would be fun to to bring them back. I think they're, I did not, at the time, even think about it becoming a series, but Sonny makes the case is coming out shortly. The fifth book in the Sonny series, which is beloved by the readers in my classroom. So it might be fun to follow up with them either on that project or I know they do other work as well together and separately. So any final thoughts as we head into what hopefully is a wonderful year of children's literature, Travis? Is your run streak going to continue through this entire year? Oh, 
That's a great question. I've been blessed to be healthy. Um, I ran run every day since August 4th, 2019. So a little over 1600 days. And um, I don't know if I get hurt, it'll end. Um, I've gotten better at running less on vacation, which is good. So I used to feel like I had to run five or six miles. So now I can run a few less on vacations. But it's Travis got five kids. I got 25 or six students. It's my only time that I'm alone ever. So probably not. I hope to keep it going for as long as possible. The, so. the, the Cal Ripken, yeah. of, Cal Ripken Cal of children's, Ripken. T, of teaching and children's literature. Yeah, well, he was over 2,100 games, if I remember correctly. Something like that. It was like 15, probably more than 15 seasons straight. Something crazy like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, thank you for um, being a part of the show with us and listening to our shenanigans. We'll be back here in a couple weeks with an interview with an author and illustrator. Uh, We really appreciate your support of the yarn. It means the world to us. Um, So thank you to School Library Journal for helping us out with everything. Thanks, Travis, for talking with me today, for being the co-host. We appreciate uh, Philip Stead for creating an awesome theme song. Anytime we use extra music for the show, it comes from the Free Music Archive. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Colby Sharp. I'm Travis. See ya. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.